Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. You guys are joining me on the couch tonight because I am going to do my best to get through this Zoom, but I'm not feeling the hottest. So it might not be my most zippy or my most eloquent. I am very much feel like I got hit by a truck. So but I do think that this topic could be something that is just it's necessary. I've been hearing it a lot more from clients. And every time we talk about the taboo side of ADHD, people are surprised, right? They think that they're the only ones. I can't tell you how many clients I've had where we go the whole first program together, right? We go all of CCA where it's like six months in, nine months in, whatever your program is. And at the end, they go, just so you know, I haven't told anyone this. My kitchen is so messy. I can't do anything in it. And, you know, they're like, they think they're they're the only ones, right? And I heard that probably three times this week. So knowing that a lot of us are neurodivergent in here, this might not relate to everybody who, you know, is either watching live or is tuning in for the recording. This might not relate to you. You know, you might be so embarrassed about it that you might be purposely watching this on the recording. But either way, for however many people can relate to it, I think it's a super important thing to talk about because we're not just going through this stuff because we're assholes, right? And we're like, our brains just want to booby trap us. I mean, they kind of do want to booby trap us, but like, it's not intentional, right? So by the way, fun fact, I only had the energy to do one hand. So if you see me man doing a lot of mannerisms with this hand, it's my good hand. It's my strong hand. So I just thought we'd start with that little bit of relatability. Um, I got the chat open, so I want you guys to make sure, oh, let me make sure I get rid of the waiting room here. Okay, I want you guys to feel free to utilize the chat today. Today is all about relatability. I'm not going to give you too many tools today because this stuff is so deep and nuanced. It really does need to be a one-on-one -on -one thing that we work on after this. So my goal for today is relatability. I want you guys to feel validated, maybe hear things you haven't really realized before. Um, and then I want us to connect beyond this on our one-on-one -on -one calls. All right. So let's get into it. Let's start with my favorite one. So messiness. Messiness is so common with ADHD. Um, I remember growing up and I just, I couldn't understand. I'm going to use the verbiage that I thought back then, but I couldn't understand like what was wrong with me. You know, my car would become a mess. My room was a mess. And I'm, I, I didn't want and strive to be a dirty person, right? Like I didn't, that wasn't something that I didn't care about. I cared very much about it the entire time, but I never realized that it was a neurodivergent thing. I didn't realize what the hell neurodivergence was growing up. It wasn't a thing. So I think messiness can be from a lot of things. And now we can go down the path of hoarding, collecting, um, whatever it is you want to call it, right? I love that there's a lot more a lot more research supporting hoarding disorder as its own thing. But I think a lot of crossovers come with OCD and control. A lot of crossovers come from ADHD and you just start amassing things, right? Who can relate to that? Who feels like all of a sudden they could be saying to themselves, I want to do minimalism. I don't want to do too much. I don't want to collect too much. And before you know it, 
You feel like you have stuff you don't even need. You have doubles of things. Things feel urgent to you. You need to buy them. You need to have them almost impulsive. And I'm not talking all the time. You're going to spend yourself into a hole. But it just feels like out of the blue, things kind of arise around you. And you're like, how did I collect this? That's largely ADHD. It's really difficult. You collect things. You like, there was this video game. I forgot what it's called. I think it's called like lovely Tamagotchi or something like that. And the whole premise was that it was this little blob that goes rolling through like the streets and the towns and it starts like everything starts sticking to it and it starts getting bigger and bigger and bigger because more shit just sticking to it. And I feel like that is how I've always felt in my life, whether it's laundry um, whether it's dishes, whether it's random shit, whether it's projects to craft in the future, um, whether it's stuff I'm actually going to, I'm not going to throw that away to go in a landfill. I'm going to turn it into something. There's a million things that just became my like lovely Tamagotchi, you know, and I just grew into this mass of stuff. And then you have the side of it where we have scattered thought patterns, right? And paths. We don't necessarily take the easiest path from point A to point B. That's not always Katamari. That's what it is. The Katamari, Tamagotchi, whatever. Katamari is the game. But anyway, um, we don't usually have the most clear cut path from point A to point B. We'll go like point A to like point K to point Z to point Y and then like back again, right? Because that makes sense in our brain. And we're really like efficient at a lot of stuff, right? Doing it this way. But what that leads to is in our personal life, when we're not being told a pattern of things to do, how do we figure out what needs to be done? And how do we just do it when there's so much to be done? And I think that that's the, that's the tipping point with messiness where you start to lose motivation because there's just so much to be done. Who's felt like this? Tell me in the chat. Don't go quiet on me now. Don't leave me in my vulnerable. My house is a disaster. <laughs> like I've had three houses so far that have become disasters. Um, It's hard. It's hard to talk about because again, there's that quality. There's that part of your brain that's like, I should just be able to do this. I should just be able to keep things clean. I should just be able to not not keep doing this over and over again you know and i mean neurodivergent brains we nobody asked for a neurodivergent brain like i didn't ask for a pancreas that doesn't do shit i had a bum pancreas right i'd love to not have a bum pancreas that would be that would be exceptional but such is life so we got, I don't want to say we have bum brains, but we have like annoying brains if we try to work against it, right? <clears throat> Let's see what you guys are saying. Overwhelming. My house exhausts me. It's a hamster wheel. It just feels like, it's almost like when you get the big, you know how I tell you guys don't ever get the big gallon water jug things because before you know it, it's like midday and you still have so much to go and you're just like, you don't even want to drink from it. It's the same thing. It's the same thing in the house, you know, where it's like, what is the point of starting here when I am so displeased with what I got going on over there? And then how do I put this somewhere when I don't know where to put that? And it, 
our whole thought pa pattern, like that's where that point A, point B thing, it gets so overwhelming because there's not that clear process of like, oh, I put this stuff here. I throw this stuff away. Everything becomes part of my language, a clusterfuck. And it's like, I have to do it all now. And then paralysis sets in. It's fun, right? Where do you even start? Requires so much energy, especially when you're dealing with chronic illness, right? And then you got like regular life, like a job, children, a family, shit to do. I don't know. I have organized mess. Yep. Doom piles. But you know what's in them, right? Depends on the day. Either very organized or things get behind messy. Right. I'm lucky my husband has the touch of OCD and hates messy. It helps. But you know what? That stress of knowing that that mess exists also sucks too. But if I went to any of your homes, I'd be the organization queen. Absolutely. You know why? We'll get into this too. More dopamine. ADHD runs on, on the, the, the pursuit of dopamine. Dopamine is our reward hormone. So if you go to somebody else's house and you see an obstacle in front of you, a puzzle in front of you, it becomes exciting to re to help that person solve that puzzle. You have no skin in the game. It's not your own stuff. You're going to leave at the end of the day. So it just becomes a pure dopamine activity to be like, boop, boop, boop. Here you go. You're organized versus it being a dopamine suck to have it be at home, especially when you feel like you could be working for the next five days and your house would look the same, you know, or if you feel like you would start organizing and be like, where the hell do I put this? That usually stops a lot of people too. We're full of bottlenecks, but for somebody else, like people with ADHD tend to love problem solving, but it gets overwhelming when we're solving our own problems. We're great at solving problems for others. I despise doing dishes. My kids just seem to make dirty dishes continuously. It's crazy. The amount of cups. I remember when I used to nanny, I feel like I was every half hour I was washing a cup. You hear Sammy snore just now. Hold on, I'm going to see if you guys can get a, a view. See little Sam. Here he is. So if you hear him snoring, that's why. Um, He's quite loud. Okay, so let's see what else. Just so you guys know, I, 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 whenever you guys do confide in me about your spaces, I'll tell you know I've told you this. I love doing virtual cleanouts. I love doing virtual organizing sessions. I will have I have no problem body doubling. If you need someone to just be there to just talk and bullshit with you as you're doing it, like I love that stuff and it it helps, you know. So don't be shy to talk about it. I will never judge. I mean, I to this day, the fact that Nick still married me after seeing what my bedroom looked like in our in my first apartment. I mean, aside from the fact that it was like a depression room, like I don't even think I had sheets on my bed. I was so depressed and exhausted all the time and stuff. But it was just, I remember being so embarrassed because I lived in an environment that I felt like I this can't be representative of me because this is not how I don't feel okay with any of this, you know? So I will never, ever judge the amount of times I've had to do cleanouts in my own home. I mean, moving was ridiculous. If you ever want to see the, the photos and stuff, I have it. Like 
our set our our first apartment together filled two huge rooms with stuff real quick and then it filtered out into the house our our second home or our first home we moved in together same thing moving into this house we i think i donated something like 30 bags of clothes like it was just so i will never judge my car looked like i lived out of it and and still lived messily you know so tell me about it i'm your girl okay all a puzzle so let's move on to the next big stigma one hygiene hygiene it's it makes no sense a lot of adhd is just frustrating because it makes no sense we are not people who don't care about these things i keep saying that but i just want to emphasize that that i don't think that anybody here is someone who just doesn't give a shit i think you give so much of a shit especially because you're watching, you know, you're listening to this because at some point it, it struck a chord with you. You wanted to, you know, feel like you could relate. So that being said, I don't think people are like, if your hygiene is affected by your neurodivergency, in no way do I think that you are a gross person. The same way I don't think I am a gross person. I need to get so much work done on my teeth. They are and I mean, granted, I have enamel issues. It's part of diabetes and like growing up type one, you know, and growing up with long-term thyroid issues. Um, those of you with Hashimoto's tend to have eroded enamel from clenching. Fun fact. Um, or those of us, I should say, with Hashimoto's. So, <coughs> so <coughs> hold on. Choking on my own spit. <coughs> I can't even cough with a painted hand, huh? Um that being said, it is still difficult for me to remember to brush my teeth. Why? Especially because I work from home. It's so difficult to not just get right into the swing of things and have the best intentions and be like, I got to brush my teeth. I mean, and to be honest, sometimes, some days it's not even on my mind. I'll remind myself I'll remember 1 p.m., you know, or I'll remember later, I'll remember that night, you know, it's gotten to the point where I try every single day, but it is something that is difficult for me to remember. Right? I think that and, and anytime I've done any kind of beauty regimen that needs upkeep, it's very hard for me to stay on top of it. Nail fill ins, please, those nails were falling off ratchet as shit before I would ever get them done again. And it was just because making the appointment to do them couldn't do it. Um, my hair, my hair, I mean, don't look at it now. I'm like, can't dye it because pregnant. But like my hair, if I didn't absolutely love my salon and the stylist, like it would look, I would look like Willie Nelson. Like it's just, it would not work. I just would not be on top of it. And that trickles on down to brushing hair. That trickles on down to changing clothes, doing laundry, Remember showering, getting into the shower is like the ultimate struggle. And then when you're in there, you, you want to be in there forever. That's a real thing. We have a hard time going in between modes. So once one mode is complete, we have a very kind of rigid perception of what our next mode should be. And again, it runs on dopamine. So if it's not a high dopamine payout activity, like brushing your teeth, brushing your hair, some, you know, going through the whole rigmarole of, of showering, blow drying, makeup, whatever. If that's not feeling like it's going to be a dopamine payoff, it's not going to be something that's as likely to get done without intense reminders. 
unless it's something you enjoy, which like I said, with the salon thing, because it's a dopamine activity. People with ADHD, like we are so hard on ourselves to just do things with discipline. And we're so hard on ourselves when it comes to the fact that it's like we do things based on what we want to do because we're not selfish people inherently. But when you have a brain that runs off of dopamine seeking activities, you can't help it. Now, of course, you're it in. If you didn't, you know, we'd all be we'd be out here being sociopaths. <laughs> so like there is a level of like do what you got to do. But that like getting to that point of do what you got to do is harder for us. It isn't just an innate habit that you just carry with you. <clears throat> Let's see what you guys are saying. Before work from home, I used to shower, do my hair, do my makeup, accessorize my outfits, then pregnancy and COVID at the same time. It's like a switch. I didn't want to do, didn't have to do, working on taking care of myself to feel good. It It's definitely hard. Like there'll be some days where I'm like, I... I have to actually do my hair today. Like I have to feel what it's like to like, I don't know, preen a little bit. Like you don't have to be into that if you're not into that, but I am, I used to be, you know, and I, I'm also a big fan of relaxing and Adam Sandler mode. I don't think I always have to be, you know, I put the pressure, but I agree. I think some days you wake up and you just feel in the doldrums when you work from home. I don't know, do it up one every now and again. Maybe make plans if you feel if you have energy or it's possible, go out after work is done. If you're working from home, go out to dinner, go for a ride, go, I don't know, look at the stars. I don't know, but just do something, you know, because working from home, when you have ADHD, you can get stuck in mode to mode to mode really easily. This is how I describe myself today, the right, not left, but my high school yearbooks have comments about my style. You have to send me a pic of what you mean. Um, like before being pregnant, I would not leave the house without hair and makeup. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's good too, to a point where we feel comfortable. Like I, I didn't, I haven't worn makeup, makeup, like contour, facial, like foundation, like the whole nine. I want to say it's been years. Like I decided I wanted to do it because my skin was reacting so badly to things. And then I just stayed with it and I love it, you know, but I'll do my eyes or I'll do my, I'll tame my eyebrows every now and again, you know? Um, I think it's important to have that level of preening that we feel good about, you know? I work from home now, but I have to get up dressed and fully ready, including shoes, including shoes or, oh, okay. I thought you meant it was like required. Like you, <laughs> Before I said, or my brain will just not go into work mode. A hundred percent. I thought you were about to tell me your employer does a shoe check virtually. And that's why I reacted that way. I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, unless you're getting paid well enough for that. You let someone look at my shoes. But anyway, um, to each their own, you know, but totally it, it really like, I think that it adds to that like mode, you know, you want to create your own mode. And if it if your day starts in a certain mode, it kind of tends to follow it. If you start your day with like, I don't care what I look like, I just got to get to work. It's going to have that same vibe throughout the day, you know? And I mean, to take this all with a grain of salt that like some of, some of us are waking up to work from home really early. Like I'm not saying we have all the time and energy in the world, you know, but I totally agree. Um, Here's the other part of this. 
when it comes to the reward center, the dopamine thing, we are time blind, right? So something that might in all actuality take like five minutes to do, and tell me if you experience this, feels like I have to have that happen in the perfect timing. I have to make a plan for that. There has to be a follow-up. Like, like you, it almost becomes this massive thing in your mind. It's kind of like reading a recipe that has a bunch of steps. They're easy as shit steps. Like five minutes, throw it together. Five minutes, throw it together. But like just seeing it in front of you makes you go, oh my God, that takes too much time. Like in all actuality, it takes 20 minutes to go drop a package off at the local Kohl's that I have to return to Amazon, right? Ask me how big my Amazon return pile is. You know, and it just, it sometimes it, it feels like that with, mundane things that don't affect anybody else except us. So, I mean, I've seen this happen with food, right? Like someone go all day without eating because they know it's not good for them, but I'm busy doing things for other people. I'll eat later. We do the same thing with even hygiene and it doesn't get talked about because we feel guilty or gross about it, but it's not just because we're gross human beings. We're not just like doing this just because we don't care. We care very much. It's these damn booby-trapping brains. <clears throat> so thinking about something and being like, like that's why I was saying before, a shower feels like a massive endeavor to begin. And then once you're in there, you're like, this is great. You know what I mean? Like it feels like it, this is great. Here's the two hours from my life now, even though it's not. Throw your hair up and go in the shower and you're fine, you know, but it feels bigger. The reason for that is time blindness and dopamine response. This leads to my favorite. I just got so nauseous. I'm so sorry. Paralysis this leads to paralysis. Um, paralysis. I love. I love to tell this story. I one of my other favorite things. We got a bunch. We got. I love to do cleanouts with clients. I love to do cooking sessions with clients where we cook stuff on the phone. And I love to do couple sessions, especially when someone's partner has neurodivergence. I love it. It's like solving a puzzle to me. I'm like, let's make sure everyone's happy. So I had a couple session with these with clients that both have ADHD. And one was one my client was saying, you know, I'm always asking him to help me do things and I, you know, I just I feel like he just won't start. He won't just start doing it. It takes 2 minutes to get started. Like I said. And I was like, okay, can you give me a an example and she's like I asked him to paint the deck for me and he won't paint the deck and I said to him I'm like what feels really big about painting the deck and he's like well I actually really like painting and I'm like okay what part of painting do you hate because there's got to be a part there you're dreading that makes you not want to do this where almost like if it was done for you you would jump right in and have fun doing it and he's like setting up if she were to just set literally put the cans of paint by the door with the tarp and stuff like I would paint all day but it's the fact that it's hard for me to stop what I'm doing go find the supplies lay it out now mind you it took a few sessions to even get this communication because like people are not very open about what they struggle with with this stuff because there's shame involved right and defensiveness so we got to the point where we realized it's just the first steps and I think that that's so common for us. 
You know, it's that first step, figuring out what order do I start doing something in? When is a good time to stop what it is I'm doing right now? Um, do I, you know, trying to cram a million things into a half hour of time. I'll get to that in a bit. Is this relatable to anybody watching? Give me a thumbs up in the, in the chat if you're hearing this and you're like, boop, that's me. Or boop, that's my partner. It's really common. And it comes across like someone just doesn't give a shit, right? Or it comes across like we, we come across like careless all the time. And we're, again, the farthest thing from that. We care so much. It's all we think about is how to be better, right? So paralysis, you know, that also can come with demand avoidance, if you're dreading something, if you're bored by something, if you're overwhelmed by something, then you are going to find the most minute other activities you can do before you do that one activity, or you're just going to sit there thinking about all of the things you should start doing. Has anyone ever experienced that? You know you got to do something, and it's like a cellular resistance to actually fucking doing it. Even to your own detriment. And you're like, why do I do this? Like, I'm so efficient for other people. And a lot of my clients with rampant ADHD are like forces to be reckoned with in their jobs. And in, when it comes to managing their children's lives, their appointments, their everything, it's just they run themselves ragged on their own end to make sure everybody else is taken care of. <laughs> you guys are relating to this. Yeah. I annoy the shit out of myself because it's all of the reasons Tomorrow is the lie I tell myself daily. Well, I totally get that. Or falling into the trap of walking around and calling stuff out and being like, I gotta do blah, blah, blah. I gotta remember to do blah, blah, blah. Man, I just, I really need to start doing blah, blah, blah. We're constantly walking criticism. I actually talked to um, a somatic therapist a couple weeks ago and She's big into law of attraction as well. And she was telling me, she's like, you know, if you think about it, what vibe are you giving by walking around just being like, oh, I got to do with this. I got to do with this. I got to do this. And I'm like, disappointment, discouragement, being mad at myself. And she, and I didn't even realize that I was doing that. I just thought I was being diligent. I was just remembering stuff I had to do. And she was like, well, do you remember to do it? And I was like, no. She's like, do you write it down when it comes to mind? And I'm like, no, story of my life. I have so many freaking notebooks everywhere. And she's like, okay, so what's the point of being disappointed? And I was like, that's a good point that you bring up. And it really got me thinking, it, we do the same thing with like eating, right? I always tell you, what's the point of being mad at yourself because you ate something? You know, what's the point of spilling more milk? You know, dumping the gallon of milk out because you spilled a little. That only makes it worse and harder for you. So if you eat something, you eat a cookie, and then you're spending the rest of the day pissed off at yourself because you ate a cookie, is that not worse, right? So why double down on how we are, you know, like we can't help being neurodivergent. Why double down on that and be mad at ourselves? If, if you're thinking, well, if I wasn't mad at myself, nothing would get done wrong it would get done just the way it gets done already except you wouldn't feel like shit about yourself if that was if being mean to yourself was a good motivator you wouldn't be at the impasse you're at 
where you feel like things need to change still. It would have worked by now. It would have motivated you to change everything by now if being mean to yourself worked. It just feels irresponsible to not be mean to ourselves. And it's the same thing with food. So um, I know I had put social anxiety as another topic to cover tonight. But as I was writing my notes for that, I started realizing that that could be an entire Zoom in and of itself. So it's going to be. I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to dive into that. I think it should be its own thing. Um, but I hope that this helped you feel seen. I hope that you feel validated. I hope that you reach out to me. Even if you're working with a coach, it doesn't matter. Like I said, you're, I'm part of your team too. I would love to help you with this stuff because it's, it's a passion of mine to break the stigma down because we did not ask to deal like to get this shit. We didn't ask to have to deal with this. So no shame, no taboo here at all. Um, and the last quote I'll leave you with, remember this week, there's one thing you focus on. Ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. Interpret that as you want it to, however you want it to. I hope you text me about it and be like, what the, what the hell are you saying? But ignorance on fire is better than knowledge on ice. All right. And I hope that that helps. So good night, y'all. For me and my two nails. <laughs>